where we go when we go for a revenue And honor is having a ball, you know Adrena Comas will Trump won the election, but you know they gotta steal The satanic elite will take a seat, but meanwhile You gotta listen to the stat that beat Everybody say Cuba love Everybody say Cuba love Everybody say Cuba love Everybody say Canola hit the fucking ball Welcome to Media Roots Radio This is Robbie Martin and this is Abby Martin. How's everybody doing? How are you doing, Abby? Doing great, Robbie. It's been a been a minute. You have a new trailer for your film coming out called Earth's Greatest Enemies. Uh, tell us a little bit about that before we jump into the the regular programming. Yeah, Robbie. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Uh, it's been two years in the making. We came out with the teaser two years ago almost on the day that we released the the first trailer. So we felt like it was about time, you know, spending two years essentially just filming around the world all these different struggles against U.S. militarism, the environmental, the catastrophic effects of U.S. bases, how every base is basically a toxic site, um, the lack of reporting on military missions, the list goes on and on. And so we tried to put kind of a sampling of just the types of stories that we're including in the film and give people a sense of, you know, the types of people that we've been interviewing and the types of stories that we're going to include. So we put together a two-minute trailer. Everyone check it out. Please share it while, wherever you can. Um, it's on Empire Files' YouTube channel. It's on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. So please share that if you have not already. Please watch it if you haven't already. And, um, I really appreciate it. I'm I'm super excited about the movie. We're completely in post production right now. We maybe have one or two more trips to go. Um, and yeah, we're just working full time with our editor, putting together all the vignettes and the scenes, and it's going to be a really weird, really awesome film. And I'm super stoked on it. Uh, we have the editor from Gaza Fights for Freedom, and he's just gotten so much better over the last couple of years. So it's really, really really epic shit that he's putting together uh cannot wait what's his name so check it out dude taylor gill okay yeah the the footage in the trailer was really incredibly high quality looking um it looked right really really good uh cannot wait to see what you guys put together and um if everything works out i i might have some contribution to make to it we'll, but we'll see uh how that how that pans out as far as absolutely what we're able to do but um but yeah very fucking exciting do you have like a release you, date <laughs> release date set up yet for it <laughs> a deep do um next year for sure hopefully early as possible but damn i don't know what it is about time these days i don't know if it's just having a baby or what but time is just flying by at a furious rate it's very hard to imagine you know it's just like every day to day it's just like how the fuck is it already like this far into 2023 when i'm still thinking it's even like 20 i i like still write 2022 oh, no. <laughs> like oh my god dude like how is this happening so i don't know man um but next sometime next year next year early in the year i'm okay. i ha- i mean we have to fuck so like sometime in gotta, like the first quarter get moving of baby 2024 yeah. something gotta get this shit moving dude Great. Time's a ticking, baby. Yeah. Time's a ticking for the planet. It is. It's ticking for everybody. For the planet. Um, summer's hot as Hades over here in LA. High temperatures in the desert out here, Robbie. I don't know how much longer we can t- hack it. 
it's just crazy to think that like what 90 degrees feels like and then knowing that in a lot of states right now it's like 110 i mean 20 degrees is a lot yeah and if it's like impossible to be outside in 90 degrees it's like i can't even i mean it must just be like ghost towns and like vegas and shit i don't know how people can go outside at all i mean i think people still do as crazy as it sounds like and i mean even just going to visit Lori's parents in arizona was pretty weird experience because they live in like a new development Mm -hmm. and like a lot of these really new developments are popping up all over Arizona, almost like whole new towns kind of being built. And it's like, Mm -hmm. they probably are being built in places where like they're some of the the hottest places where like they didn't build before. So it's like, not only is Arizona hot as fuck, but like the place where they live is like, it, it reaches such high temperatures. It's like, how do people even go outside? Like, you know, at all, like it, everybody has these beautiful yards and stuff, but it is really crazy that people live in those kind of climates here, especially in this country when it's like, they don't need to, like, I mean, there's all these like desert, <laughs> basically like colonies <laughs> that we've established in, in the U S that, uh, it's, it's just strange. It's a strange thing. Um, yeah, it is a strange thing, Robbie. It's just going to get stranger. Um, let's I, really quickly. I know you have a lot in the dock and I want to get to all of it. Hopefully we're going to do a two-parter today, two-parter today, but I cannot not mention um, the genius, incredible entrepreneur, probably the smartest man in the world. I just wish I had his brain, Robbie, because the way that he envisions things is just so incredible. I mean, the fact that Elon Musk took this well-established brand, you know, the the communication forum that crossed all these sorts of barriers, the town square, you know, and and basically what corporations would pine for, like a, a well-valued, well-recognizable brand that had its own vocabulary, lexicon, and then just completely fucking made it into like a porn, like a fake porn name, X, um, with a really terrible logo and paying content creators that essentially just grovel to him, not only taking cues from, the, from Andy Knows of the world to like ban people like Crime Think and stuff, but now he's just paying people like Tim Pool, tens of thousands of dollars just to post and like suck his dick. Um, essentially, just all these right wingers got a shitload of money. I guess that's where the Twitter blue verification funds are going. And then, you know, just to throw in a little pseudo like person on the left, even though they're just a total centrist douchebag, the Krasenstein guy, throwing him $20,000, $20,000 for posting. Um, to incentivize, I guess, people to spend more time on the app, just engaging just mindlessly with people. Yeah, the the Krasenstein thing is especially funny to me because when, when Elon Musk first started doing those Twitter spaces where he'd be like talking on them and then it'd be like Ian Miles Chong and all these other randos, signal-boosted people, it'd be like the only person who identified as left was the Krasenstein, like the Krasenstein brother <laughs> who would be on these spaces. And it was, it was so weird. That's how it like started from the get. And I was like, what is happening here? Like, like, cause it was all about like, oh, we've, we've really, you know, we've given the accounts back to the band. And one of the Krasenstein guys or all of them, I think got banned because they were doing like sock, pu- they had like a Spam, whole bot yeah. network set up and like fake followers and right. all this stuff. 
So it was really funny to see them being the only representatives. Like this, just so people know who the Krasnstys are. It's the guy who wrote that children's book called like, I don't remember the title of it, but it's something about Robert Mueller and Russiagate and like a heroic. Wasn't children's it like homoerotic? Student. Well, it's homoerotic in the sense that Robert Mueller is photo- is pictured, drawn and depicted on the cover of this children's book, looking exactly like a Chippendale dancer with fucking uh, like his shirt off. I almost, maybe I'm imagining this in my mind because I did a Photoshop edit of this for our podcast. <laughs> you just did an AI. But he like, did have rendition. a picture of Robert Mueller with like tight pants on and like a buff, like ripped chest. Like he was some kind of super, but like with his shirt off. Like that was the primary image of Robert Mueller on this children's book. It was very, very strange. Um, anyways, those dudes are really weird uh, grifters. Um, so, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense to see them there because they are some of the more griftery, like like just random, wacky people on the left. Um, even though they're not, I mean, say they're on the left. I just mean they're like generic Democrats. Um, it's just so perfect because they're just so, they're just so huckstery, you know, and just so fake that it's like, it's perfect that Elon hoisted them up as representations of like the left. Like, look, I, I know, I'm amazing. paying left content creators. It's like, what the fuck? These people were banned. Like yeah. you could argue almost legitimately because of all the bot networks that are running. It's like so funny. And he also, um, and hoist- it reminded me, oh, you know, yeah, go I was just going to say, but then he also hoisted up uh, these people who are like really, you know, these more well-respected people uh, on the quote-unquote left too, like Matt Taibbi, Lee Fang. Uh, that was oh, really yeah. interesting to watch him pick them for the Twitter files and sort of what, you know, it would end up happening to Matt Taibbi was pretty funny where they had some kind of falling out, but it is really strange to see Elon Musk sort of dredging the depths of like, not even just Twitter alt media, but like alt media in general, um, while he's doing all this. It's not just that he's a reply guy to some of the most extreme far-right accounts. It's like he's also literally handing leaked documents to these journalists and then having them sort of run on autopilot, like getting whatever agenda he wants to get out there about how Twitter before was locked, you know, was anti-free speech because now it's not or whatever whatever impression he wants to get out there. These people are helping him get that impression out there, and it's uh, it's fascinating to watch it all unfold. Well, it was especially fascinating because at the beginning, it was like, how dare you say that, you know, first of all, we don't know that Elon Musk is the source, Robbie, so, you know, let's just support this effort to, to unmask all the government censorship going on at Twitter. It's like, yes, we know that there's government censorship going on at Twitter, but also, why are we trusting this billionaire who just bought Twitter and also, why, like to, to hand pick the narrative and, and spoon feed us whatever he wants us to do. And then it became way more evident later after Matt Taibbi did that interview on Mehdi Hassan, where Mehdi was talking to him about why isn't he criticizing, what was it, Turkey? India, I forget Modi. Who, India, Tok- or it was Lee, both, yeah, because basically Elon Musk said that he was going to censor something on at the behest of like turkey or india's request i forget i think it was both countries it was just such a funny like revelation because it was just like okay so here you are complaining about government censorship yet you're doing this openly for these other governments and then when Mehdi confronted matt taibbi about it matt really didn't have anything to say and he was just like 
he was just like, well, do you want to criticize Elon Musk right now? And he was like, I don't particularly want to. <laughs> and then what was crazy after that, Robbie, after Matt Taibbi and Lee Fang and Barry Weiss and all of that, a couple like really weird right wing reactionary accounts got like Twitter file like extensions about that. Like it ended up just being like total PR for Elon Musk where these other I forget who it was, but he handpicked a couple of like just total nobody like right wingers to like dole out other Twitter file revelations that were like, why did Elon Musk like Elon Musk had to do this? He had to censor this stuff at the request of India and Turkey because this, this and this. And it was like a whole Twitter files thread about why Elon Musk had to do it. And it's like, okay, now is everyone on the same page now (laughs) that this is just like completely fake? Well, he's also censoring. (laughs) so funny. He's also censoring uh, the Elon jet tracker account. He censored another account Mm -hmm. that's like very critical of tesla it's one of the biggest like robbie that's his pub that's for public safety robbie that's because (laughs) the first one he said was for public safety and then when he banned the tesla account that was like reporting like negative things about tesla there was no explanation about it there's been so many like even some right wingers are like have stopped having faith in him but they're not like the majority of them it's because it's becoming quite clear at this point that of course he's going to censor this whole idea that somehow he's here to provide a platform for free speech i mean again it is just a canard to basically amplify the right it's not this is not supposed to be like an open free speech platform um i mean that should be obvious to everyone at this point but Right. And then the consolidation of like figures like Ron DeSantis doing the Twitter spaces with people like David Sachs. And it's like this circle jerk where they're just all promoting each other and pretending like they're the vanguards of some free speech crusade when it's like, dude, you guys own everything like yeah. straight up. I mean, what what is happening here? Um, I mean, that, and I think that just me, says it right there. Too. I mean, not mm-hmm. just the DeSantis thing, but the RFK Jr. town hall they hosted. It's like Somehow they right. want to try to put insert themselves into this matrix of alternative, quote-unquote, anti-establishment media and be sort of these new curators or leaders of it of some kind. Um, and I don't know if it's... It, it, I guess the, the scary thing would be if they followed that desire through to, for in the long term. That's the question. Is it just like a passing interest um, or is it something that so there's an actual agenda behind it where it's like bigger, you know, than what we're seeing? I mean, you know, power operates in the shadows. What is actually all this shit really about? It's 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 hard to tell, but it is alarming. And it's uh, well, I just saw DeSantis talking about how Elon Musk is floating the idea of buying CNN. Oh, um, oh wow. Interesting. Yeah. And to to cap off this little Twitter or I'm sorry, X xvideos.com um to cap this off I, I i couldn't help but remember when tim pool who also is just a total groveling idiot to elon musk of course um last christmas tim pool tweeted merry christmas at elon musk and had the word elon with sh- elves on a shelf behind him like spelling out the word elon and everyone was just like jesus christ dude it does not get more grovelly dick sucky than that like straight up 
Um, God, what a miserable. So fucking there it cunt. is. This is this is our this is our <laughs> this is our world. And now Tim has this. Oh my God, I f- I forgot to mention uh, on the subject of Tim Pool, Robbie. This whole time, this whole time, and I've known Tim peripherally. I did know him twenty. I don't know during Occupy Wall Street, we were acquaintances, hung out a couple times. The entire last 10, 15 years, his compound in wherever West Virginia or wherever he lives. He always talked about having this skate park. It was always like this like hardcore skater, you know, and that he had this crazy skate park that he custom built for his compound. Like a YouTube that everyone hype was just house. like raving. Yeah, like raving about like Tim Pool's skate park and all this shit. And then lo and behold, Robbie, he reveals this giant um surprise that he actually is not a skateboarder, he is a rollerblader, which rollerblading's cool it's totally fine but it was just funny that like he never revealed that until like recently like everyone just thought that he was like this hardcore skateboarder and then he built this custom skate park just to rollerblade on i don't know why that was so funny to me it's just like weird well it definitely goes along with like whatever weird uh like crippling insecurities that he has about himself i mean look at the fact that he's still wearing a beanie when at this point nobody would would think any less of him for showing that he's bald. Like he'd look fine. I mean, yeah, like right. I, I hate, I, I despise him. I think he's a horrific fraud of a little neocon cunt. But the fact that he lo- just looks like a normal guy with his beanie off, it, it's strange that he's that it, it, it's, it's, it almost seems like it, it, it is not just like an immature thing. It does almost seem like there's something mentally wrong with him. Like a 12 year old who wears the same like jacket every day or something like they like where they literally wear the same outfit every single day. And it's, you know, something's weird about that person. Like it's, you know, but then they grow out of it right. maybe when they're older and then they wear different outfits. It's, a, it is a very he's strange a fucking man. thing. It's very fucking forty year old man wearing the same beanie. It's like, dude, wear hats, wear different color beanies. I mean, to to think that it's really the same beanie you've been wearing straight in the shower, in bed for twenty years straight is just very strange and there is definitely something wrong with you and you need help, man. And also just um, one just one like, last thing I want to say about him is that mm-hmm. he you know, he's one of those guys that virtue signals that he's anti the Ukraine war now and constantly talking about you know, the same generic MAGA, quote-unquote, anti-war things. Um, he did some of the strangest coverage uh, for Vice magazine of Ukraine uh, during Euromaidan. He actually live-streamed it, similar to Occupy. And I recommend, if people really want to know how weird Tim Pool is and what some sketchy things are, I would recommend watching those streams because they're very, very weird. It does seem like he's getting top-down instructions on how to editorialize what's happening. Um, and just that well, alone is, is a odd classic and example. What? Yeah, no, he's a classic example of someone who just blows with the wind. He never had an ideological foundation of anything. I mean, not even like when I say like, oh, I didn't really understand ideologically, like what, what I, my political compass and all that shit early on. No, like he, he didn't care about anything. I remember being struck by that when I first met him. I had a conversation with him just about politics and he like literally just didn't care. Yeah. And had no real opinions about anything. And I was like, oh, this guy is just kind of like a phony grifter before I even really understood that he really was later on. I, I, I definitely got that 
the right out of the gate. I was like, this guy's fucking fake. And then he's the classic mug by reality became hard turn, turn, you know, hard right pivot with the Black Lives Matter stuff. And then here we are. But yeah, his vice stuff is so interesting because you realize that vice journalists, they don't want opinionated people. They don't want anyone who can't be molded by whatever their narrative was putting out there. Um, and the Euromaidan stuff was a classic example of what Vice's purpose was at that time, um, make it look all badass, you know, and glorify the coup and totally whitewash the neo-Nazi elements there. And, you know, Tim Pool was along for the ride. Yeah. And it is, um, you know, I think it says a lot about someone when they, they go that long without acting like a right wing reactionary and all of a sudden they become one. It's like, you know, I just think that there are a lot of people in this world or especially in the world of like alternative media who seem to be, have just gotten completely baited by right wing reactionary views over time. It's like been like a slow frog boiling effect with some other people it has been more like that. Um, and I think we're just going to continue to see it, you know? And, and I, and I'll just say this, if someone shows you who they are, like believe them. Like there's no, there's this whole weird dance that people like to do being like Jimmy Dore is still like a a huge progressive. He's like more, it's like, no, like what, why, why don't you just admit what's going on? Like why, I don't, I don't understand this weird double think dance people like to do or the, or I don't know if it's concern trolling, but it's like, why can you motherfuckers just not admit what's real? Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a weird babyish thing that I think people like to do. Well, it's like that meme, people were too woke, so I just became, like, I just, like, started, like, hating trans people. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa what's yeah. going on here? Well, the Libertarian um, Party, someone was Someone was mean like to me. Right someone was mean to me, so I just, like, became racist. It's like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah. Um, that's not the way any of this works. So, you know, let's just, like you said, I mean, mask off moment for sure, I would say. The Trump era, COVID era, and, you know, the post-COVID era, it's been very, not that COVID's over, but the post-Trump era has been very revealing, and a lot of people have just had their masks ripped right off of them. Yeah. And it's not just the trans stuff, it's everything. I mean, I see people that I was close to a couple of years ago talking about climate change. Oh, just being, like, Um, fake? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what's so fascinating. It's like, it's just like an arrow pointing them all in the same direction. It's like, at the very least, like there there is completely enough room to take a contrary opinion to like a specific issue and not be right wing about it. Like there are ways to do that. But it's really fascinating to just watch everybody, like this giant cartoon arrow, like funneling everybody in the same fucking like herd. It, it really but is Robbie, like a weird sheep herding thing. They, and these same people are like, Bernie's a sheep herder and so-and-so's a sheep herder. It's like, no, you're she- you're literally like sheep herding yourself into the same fucking right-wing toilet where you, where you just end up saying talking points. It sounds like a Fox News watching grandma. Like, that's really, that's what you think is like some kind of contrarian anti-establishment view now. You fucking got fucked. It's really surreal. <laughs> it really is. It is incredible. It's like, how come we can't have nuance about something like climate change? Like, I, I mean, it's just crazy. It's like, yes, the establishment talks about climate change. Yes, the military is talking about greening itself. Like, they are, there are a lot of elements that are complete farces, right? It's a, it's a huge element of control that's coming along with whatever is happening with climate change, obviously. It's called a fucking crisis 
being turned into an opportunity for the powers that be. Yeah. They're not approaching it in the way that they should. Like, like, But it doesn't mean that it's not happening. So when you mock someone like Ilhan Omar for saying a fact that it's the hottest day in 125,000 years based on paleontology, evolutionary biology, I mean, looking at ice cores and all of this shit. I mean, you can measure these things. It doesn't just go back to when was a temperature gauge invented, yeah. you fucking idiots. I mean, it's just the most dumbed down discourse. And when ostensible leftists or whatever, people that I used to respect a couple of years ago go attacking her because they're just obsessed with the, this is squad derangement syndrome, but they're just like, oh, the earth is, you know, 4.5 billion years old, Ilhan. Like, it's like, yeah, the earth used to be a ball of molten lava. Um, but that doesn't mean that it's not concerning what's happening today. It's the rapidity of the warming and the effect that humans are having on the planet, baby. So I don't understand what is going on. I am so confused with the lack of nuance and like you said, the funneling effect of people just falling off a cliff like lemmings and pretending like it is counterculture to do so. Yeah. And then all, and then they just sit on this high horse and act like, you know, and, and can easily point to like libs who are like pushing the Ukraine war, like lemmings and stuff like that. And they somehow don't have the self-awareness to see that they're doing the exact same thing. It's like, if you're espousing talking points that sound like mainstream media, right or left, like you're not something you fucked up. Like in terms of like pushing <laughs> like a generic political talking point like that. And I just, it's just, I don't know. It blows my mind, but I mean, I'm going to talk about, um, yeah. Should we move on? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's move on. I mean, we could talk about this all day. Yeah. I haven't talked to you in a long time, so it's like our just frustrations come out as we talk just as brother and sister. But did you catch Mitch McConnell <laughs> um, potentially having a stroke mid-presser? I don't know. I have not confirmed what happened. He freezed for like one minute straight. I mean, I don't give a fuck about this guy. He is a horrible person, and I am ready for him to get out of my site so um you know he's this obstructionist site lunatic 81 years old it's, it's astounding that we don't have like age limitations for these people but um you know he just he was just stopped stunned in the middle of probably fucking i don't know heralding some like anti-abortion thing or something or some obstructionist thing i think it was the, you, the ufo stunned. hearings Oh my God, that's even better. Yeah. Well, an alien zapped his brain and then he just got, you know, shepherded off of, everyone was like, oh my God, Mitch, are you okay? And then he just came back. He's like, yep, fine. Like his staff was just like, yep, everything's good. Yeah, I would say. Everything's good. It's like, I don't care if we're talking about Biden or Trump or Mitch McConnell or fucking Dianne Feinstein, who is 90 years old. Like, why, why is everyone a dinosaur? Why, why are we dealing with this? Where people have like senility problems and could potentially just like die at any moment. It's just like insane that these are the people running the world. It did, it really is. And, and Mitch McConnell, um, I mean, it looked like to me that he, cause if he was able to walk back to the podium, if he had a full blown stroke, it was a very mild one, but there's also something that, um, that doctors call mini stroke, uh, that can happen. Um, and I don't exactly know the difference between the two, but like, like young people can experience mini strokes. Um, and I mean, I don't know. Uh, it is really surreal to, I mean, but there's all, there's all types of weird 
moments like that in Washington. Like, remember all those clips I used in a very heavy agenda where it's like so all these different people passing out like in, yeah, <laughs> in the yeah, Oval yeah. Office. Right, like, because they got the COVID vaccine. Yeah, they, they did. Died suddenly. Um, <laughs> Died suddenly, a.k.a. passed out. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it's it's pretty it's pretty disturbing. Um, one other thing that we never talked about, but I, I just want to quit, say a really quick rant about it. The Titanic submarine story that uh, you know belabored everywhere i feel like every single news outlet in the world many times over had every single fucking editor opinion writer write something about this and it was like amazing i mean it was so weird on so many levels a the fact that these tours exist b that a billionaire died and or didn't two billionaires die and all that shit was it two or that's crazy yeah i think it was two of them that's crazy and it was called the titan Um, and then is the name of the um the titan yeah and it just kept getting weirder the billionaire's son was just like didn't give a shit going to blink 182 concerts and talking about how you know he was just kind of unfazed but i think the thing that struck me the most about it was kind of taking a step back and seeing this feedback loop play out not just in the mainstream media we know that the mainstream media thrives on a 24-hour news cycle. It's exhausting. It's exhausting to wake up, see some crazy tragedy, like that boat that capsized and like a thousand people were missing. And it was just like, holy fuck. And then you just forget. It's like, I, I didn't forget about it, but I mean, like the news just moves on. And then it's like, what is the, the story of the day that everyone's going to give their take on? And then the next day, you're not going to remember that because there's something else that's hyper-focused and hyper-overanalyzed. And then it just continues that way and it's a very exhausting cycle and it's toxic as hell and then and then that echo chamber that's just copies of copies so it's not just the corporate media that's doing this it's it's the alternative media ecosystem ecosystem that has become so bizarre because everyone is a content creator now and capitalism has made it such that Everyone can make money, potentially, hypothetically, being a content creator, and you just got to get more fucking content, just content, 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 content. And so what that turns into is just copies off of copies and just taking people's work and just truncating it down or dumbing it down and and putting it in just encapsulating like more nuanced things or complicated things in a, in a tiny sound bites because it's all about just social media. It's not even about like writing articles or videos or anything. It's just about the really tiny clips you can put out there, the, the most sensational talking points that have been copied from other people. So what I just sat back and watched the Titanic story kind of unfold and it's like, I think, I mean, it, obviously it was a popular story because it was like these billionaires who died and... and and um, it was just so predictable. But at the same time, that migrant boat that capsized and all those people were missing that, of course, barely got any coverage. But then the take became from the alternative media, like, why is everyone talking about this but not talking about this? It, it becomes pointless and meaningless to even say anything <clears throat> because everything is so superficially done. And it's like done for content that it was just like, I can't even take any of this at face value. I don't even believe that you care about this stuff. It was just like, who even are these people? And I'm not even talking about anyone in particular. It's just like everything. Yeah. Everything all together. And it just became so weird. Like to just like really zoom out and just see how everything functions now. 
it becomes so oversaturated and like so meaningless, Robbie. It just it was just like I don't even know what to say. I mean, I don't want to say anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I I'm endlessly frustrated with the lack of original thought and like anything that I would consider like remotely visionary content and being put out in like the alt media sphere by most content creators, they do just tend to ride on, you know, whatever's trending um, and, and things like that. And that's sort of, and it basically creates a situation where it's, even if they're talking about things in a, from a point of view that I agree with, it still does feel more and more like it's like a capitalism rat race media sort of mainstream media style thing. Um, it doesn't, it takes away something from that. And I understand that it is hard to make original content that is about like a story that's not really getting very much coverage and then hope to like make money off of that. It, it is difficult to do that. So, I mean, it makes perfect sense why it's gone in this direction, why the the minute, you know, the micro monetization of everything has created just more of a watered down, less original thought, um, more homogenous system. And it's sort of coming at the same time as like the rise of AI content creation. And so, you know, on one hand, you have this argument saying AI is going to make things more, you know, less creative and people are going to be more, it's things are going to get more watered down and et cetera. It's like, and I mean, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, like people are already just doing that on their own, like by chasing the dollar. You know, so that, it, that it has to be established too. It's like, it, it's, I mean, so anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I a hundred percent agree. And one, just to cap this off, there was this close friend of the billionaire guy, apparently. And I don't know how close he was. It was just a bizarre commentary that I do not believe. He was a submersible. He was, um, he was this guy who engineered submersible. So he was very, very familiar with exactly like what technically was achievable. I don't know oh. the name of who you're talking about, but he was friends with the guy, yeah. Okay, so an, a, a close, or not, I don't know how close he was, but a friend of the guy who ran the company yeah. was interviewed saying he thinks the guy intentionally baited the billionaires and ran the company as a mousetrap for billionaires. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, so he, so it was just a giant suicide mission? Like, why didn't he leave like a note being like, fuck y'all? Yeah. <laughs> like, nine, like, fuck him, I got, I got two. It, I got two on the scoreboard. It's like, what is going on? That guy seemed, I mean, I watched that interview you're talking about and the guy <laughs> seemed like he was, I mean, I don't, I, yeah, like, obviously that's not what this guy did. I mean, he had like a wife <laughs> and a kid, I think, or maybe he didn't have a kid, but he had a wife. Um, so yeah, it seems like a weird way to kill two billionaires and take yourself out with them. I mean, it honestly seems like it all came down to him for some reason thinking that it was like very special to him to not make the whole of the submersible out of like a metal, like our titanium type material. Cause like every other submersible in the world that was meant to go to these depths has like a very like, like strong sh hole. It's made to, to be able to, to withstand extreme pressures. And for some reason he thought that making it out of like fiberglass 
was like this really clever design and he would always brag about yeah we like you have to break some of the rules to innovate like you gotta you gotta break rules and so he would use this like canard of like being this like renegade who was like pushing the envelope because he was refusing to like comply with the regular regulation protocols but it's like those protocols exist for very good especially in something as like specific (laughs) and obscure of like a thing to do is like underwater submersibles it's like why so i mean that's the crazy thing is everybody in the industry who knew about what he was trying to do was like like they wrote like like letters penned by like 20 people in the industry being like please do not do this this you can't do this like we have studied these kind of things you can't use this kind of hole it's not going to withstand the pressure and like everybody knew it was going to fuck up um so it shows you what you can get away with under capitalism too. The fact that this was going on for so long, and like no one was yeah. forcing them to change the way that they were. It is kind of like a libertarian. It reminds me of sort of this this world we live in now, where there's all these seemingly like like we can do this because it's capitalism, and like there aren't regulations for this yet. So why can't we do this? Like things like Uber or right. any of those things that have just become commonplace now. It's similar to this because this was done in international waters. So, I mean, yeah, they can be sued, but they didn't break any laws, technically, I don't think. Um, so, it's not real capitalism, though. Yeah. I love that argument. It's like, <laughs> well, this isn't really capitalism. It's like, well, what the fuck is this? <laughs> we, um, it, it's still so weird to me. And I don't take Uber or Lyft at all since I don't really go out anymore. But, like, the few times that I have and I have been forced to take a Lyft or Uber, it's like, it's such a fucking horrible experience. And like last time I took one home from a bar and the guy was like speeding, like chain smoking. I swear to God, he was like drunk. And I was just like, dude, this is so terrifying. That I'm going to fucking die. And this guy's what was his rating? Like, blasting EDM. Huh? What was his rating? Was it five stars? I don't know. Probably I fucking ra- <laughs> Yeah, no, it probably are dude. Afraid one time leave. some like Russian sometime one time some Russian guy like made me go on his Instagram and like I'm and you're in the car, you're all vulnerable. You have nowhere to go. You're on the fucking freeway and like stop traffic. And the guy was like, look at my Instagram and like like he was like, follow me right now. And like made me follow his Instagram. There's like all these like pictures of him in underwear. <laughs> I mean, like ru- he was like a Russian underwear model. It's like there's been so many horrible experiences. One time I actually had to like get out at a stop sign because I was actually scared that the guy was going to do something. Oh, God. To me. And it's just so crazy to think that this has become normalized. That like it's just like the classic thing, especially when I was young, to be told like never get in the car with a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Just like. Now you just like rent your car. You just like rent your home out to people. You're like, okay, we're it's such desperate times that we have to actually just like, like, yeah, it's just fucking nuts to me that this is like the way that our system works now where you just like go into strangers car, just hoping that whatever management system is vetting these people is like making sure that they're not rapists or murderers or whatever. And it's, it's a scary chance at fate rolling the dice, baby. Yeah, there was like a story recently about um, it's just some completely random. I don't even think there was any motive really established for it, but a guy, I want to say it was in Milwaukee, where someone delivered a DoorDash order and then like they never came home to their wives, so their wives like called and figured out that his last stop was this DoorDash delivery, and a guy just murdered the DoorDash delivery driver oh and like, dismembered him. Like for seemingly oh no reason. Oh my god! 
Like, did you just want to lure some random stranger to his home? But then you have to think like these people to do something like that, you have to be ultra crazy and brash because all that stuff is like, it's all mapped out. It's like if an Uber driver rapes or kills someone, um, they're going to have to like flee immediately afterwards. Cause it's all like, did they're all digitally locked in right. to who they, who they picked up when they dropped them off, all that stuff. So it's, um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's that strange. Is so horrifying. But then Abby, there's, uh, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't normally talk about crime in the Bay area, but there was a pretty funny slash crazy incident the other day where, uh, and I almost didn't believe it cause I didn't see any, any pictures of it like half the time i hear about crime out here i have to like take a step back and be like is this actually happening or is this a fake story mm -hmm. um but this one was real there was a naked woman uh walking around right at the exit uh of the bay bridge where it comes out away from san francisco mm -hmm. running around naked on the freeway and shooting random cars passing by <gasps> and it was it was just crazy to see a video of it. I was like, wow, like this is this is really weird. Um and I don't even really know what to make of it, you know? <laughs> like it's not uh my my take on it is not oh there's a lack of police. It's more like a lack of policing. Like like that that someone could get away with doing that and then like not just like no cops anywhere. Like seemingly any watch it's going to turn out to be some like tech yeah, a woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a homeless person. A serial killer America, baby. I mean, there's so many stories that have come out about trigger happy lunatics, especially in Florida. Like, oh my God. People who are just so terrified and just hold up in their homes with guns that, you know, the, that story of that poor. Oh, yeah kid going to the wrong house and getting killed the woman just making a u-turn in someone's driveway getting shot mm -hmm. and then um a story in florida a couple weeks ago some little some little kids playing in some empty lot next to some idiot aggro older lady's house and with an ipad and she goes out takes the ipad and she's like get the fuck out of here and the and their neighbors essentially the kid lived like a block away so he comes back with his mom he's a 10 year old kid little black kid his mom comes rings the doorbell being like hey you took our ipad we want it back and the woman just kills her through the door next to the kid yeah and it's like this is the world we live in this is this is the f not even like fear i mean it's it's you can't argue any rationale or logic for someone killing someone through a dead bolted door what do you even say about that because she was black, like what do? You, how do you like rationalize that? And the woman wasn't even arrested for several days, until there was an, you know, uproar from the community. So that's the world we live in now. I don't know how far stand your ground applies to this kind of shit, but like it's getting really nuts, way more nuts than I could have ever imagined. And these these instances are happening way more often. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of people testing stand your ground. Some people pass the test and some people fail it, but it's definitely opened up a whole new world of people who are attempting uh, to see, you know, if they could get away with it. Um, and I think the people who have gotten away with it, you know, have, have done some very key things uh, to get away with it. And there's a lot of other people you can find plenty of trials and cases where people assumed that they were practicing stand your ground. Like they were at, they were just like adamant and super confident that they were going to beat a crime. You know, like a guy who 
um, got pushed down on the ground by a black guy after he got an argument with him for uh, idling in a handicapped parking space without a placard. Um, a black guy pushed him down on the ground and he immediately just started opening fire on him like and and killed him. And, you know, the police, you could, their interrogation, or like videos on YouTube and the, the police inter- interview this guy for an hour in the first 30 minutes, the guy is acting just so confident. Like he knows he's going to get off. Like he did, you know, it was total citizen justice totally just and then in the next half an hour it's like his his confidence and you can see almost the soul leave his body like he realizes like oh i fucked like i fucked up like i didn't wait you know maybe i should have waited for this guy to like you know do something like kick me or punch me or something um but yeah no he the so there i mean i think that was in florida too so there's definitely a lot of people trying to test the law which is interesting um, you know, just assuming that they'll get away with something because that law exists. Yeah, it reminded me of the the you know that guy that killed that homeless guy um, in the subway in New York, and how there was this huge schism on the right and the left of people being like, "This is murder!" Like this guy just murdered this mm-hmm. guy for you know just acting out in the subway and then all the right wing like like Tim going back to Tim Pool like raised money he personally fundraised for the guy's legal defense like $20,000 or something um and it was just like it was another Kyle Rittenhouse redux it was like vigilante justice is now just portrayed as like heroism yeah um and it's just crazy it's like you're you're total lunatic if you think that it's wrong to just murder someone i mean it's just like what is going on here like really really what is happening it is it is really strange i mean if you go all the way back to the um uh fuck what's that guy's name um the the movie fruitvale station that's about the the cop the oakland cop who shot the Mm -hmm. the black guy in the back um, I mean that, that they were, that, that was, that's remember the first time I started seeing a lot of talking points like that, where it's like, he was, he wasn't spending time with his kid. He was rude. He got in a fight on Bart and it's like, but none of that has anything to do with him getting literally murdered in cold blood. Like why? It's just so strange that that is the, anyways it's the same it's the same shit we see over and over and over again it's like i know just because this guy had a history of harassing people or you know being in and out of jail doesn't it doesn't seem it just doesn't mean that that's a reason why he should have been choked to death like it's such a strange leap um that people make to get into that headspace um it's really sad yeah it's a very sad commentary on society um Two, do you want to get into the cluster munitions that were just approved for Ukraine? Yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. A lot of articles from the New York Times and Washington Post and websites like this that you posted in the doc. It's like, yeah, it talks about how horrific cluster bombs are and da da da. Gives like the, you know, the basic rundown about why they've been fucking banned by over a hundred countries. But then ultimately, Robbie, it was justified and necessary because we cannot have Putin win. And so Biden was inevitably correct to send internationally banned munitions that are horrific maiming and death tools 
um, to Ukraine. Let me just give you a, a little lowdown about what cluster bombs are and what they do. You may know how horrific they are just based on the fact that they leave unexploded ordinances and, you know, people could die from cluster bombs for years or decades after the fact. It's essentially a bomb that is comprised of mini bombs. It's like um, it's like a series of bombs all packed together in one big bomb. And so imagine like a bomb full of like hand grenades. And so when you drop them, they shoot all over like it could be up to an area of like four football fields in length and they can go off that spread out and send shrapnel everywhere so not only does it kill and maim a ton of people just initially like when it just explodes because of how wide-ranging the blast radius is of all of these bomblets but the problem is that duds um, a lot of duds are not exploded so that the duds will sit there and go off years or even decades later so in the secret war in laos and cambodia during the vietnam war the u.s dropped tens of millions of cluster bombs tens of millions of cluster bombs people have called laos the most bombed country in the world which is ironic because we didn't even americans don't even fucking know that we were at war with laos and according to the international red cross there is 9 to 27 million unexploded bomblets. 9 to 27 million unexploded bomblets in Laos alone. God in damn. Laos alone, killing or maiming 11,000 people since the Vietnam War, many of which are children, because they look like little toys. Like if you see one in the middle of a field, it looks like a little toy. A kid's going to go up and just grab it because it looks like something, you know, just like when we were dropping those food packets and, or I'm sorry, bombs that look like food packets or whatever. Yeah. And people were grabbing them thinking that they were food and they were getting exploded. Um, even Jen Psaki, the former State Department spokesperson, even she, when Russia initially started bombing, you know, using cluster bombs against Ukraine and Ukraine was using cluster bombs too against Russia at the beginning of the war. And she said very clear headedly in a press conference that this is a war crime. It is a war crime to use cluster bombs. Um, the U.S. didn't stop using them after Laos. They used them in Iraq. Israel used a shitload of them in Lebanon. And they're just continued to be used, even though we know how dire the effects are, that it, it never goes away. You can never properly clean up areas that cluster bombs are used. And the damages are catastrophic. But Robbie, it's all worth it at the end of the day, um, because according to websites like the New York Times, yeah, it's horrible. What a, what a tragic choice that Biden had to make, Robbie. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. It's all worth it because Biden had to make the choice because Putin can't win. I mean, it's fascinating that over 120 countries have banned it um, and the U.S. hasn't. I see when I was reading this at first, I thought that it was more like we're going to somehow procure the way. I mean, I had this like more naive, like misunderstanding of it where I thought that the U.S. would somehow like just send the money to Ukraine for them and then they would somehow get them. I didn't, I didn't really, I mean, like we are procuring the actual cluster munitions for them. Like these are manufactured by us, uh, which is fascinating i didn't i mean but i should have assumed that that would be the case uh and it turns out that um 
that U.S., Russia, and Ukraine, and probably other countries as well that aren't listed here, all haven't signed on to the ban. So this is something that's the U.S. could really do at any time. And that's what makes it fascinating. It's like, it is a, a, a debate that sort of happened over this. Like, do we want to make this escalation? Well, we should because it's, you know, because it's the only way to beat Russia. But it is strange to think that this could literally happen at any time. Like, that we, there's so many things that are, do not stop us from doing these horrible things that it's almost remarkable that there would even be a debate about this. Like, the U.S. could just there's no reason why the U like the U S what I'm saying is there's nothing obstructing the U S from doing this, um, except for maybe some mild political pressure from certain people, but there's there other than that, there's nothing. So you have to imagine like what other things, if you really took a step back and looked at what other things we're allowed to do, it's probably quite horrific. And it would even surprise you and me, Abby, if we knew, um, the full extent of, all the treaties that we haven't signed on to, like compared to other parts of the world, you know? Um, That's incredible. I mean, like even something like the Biological Weapons Convention that we claim to have signed on to, there's all these things in it basically that, le that leave open complete loopholes for us to basically do whatever we want in terms of biological weapons. Um, but we, we have to just do it in using different language. So that's that's, you know, there's all these fascinating things that we do. Um, to try to pull a bunch of bullshit. Um, it is amazing to see this play out real time instead of this kind of retroactive, continuous retroactive justification of dropping the nukes. Because I, similarly, the mainstream media just you know publishes every year around the anniversaries of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, or with the Oppenheimer film coming out, it's like you know that this was regrettable but necessary. Um, yeah, dropping the nukes was terrible, terrible tragedy, but it had to happen. And so it's f amazing to witness real time a similar type atrocity unfolding before our very eyes and having the corporate media apologize for it when just months prior they were saying how it was a war crime. It was horrific. It's kind of like the Azov Battalion, how they were like, yes, Ukraine's military does have this neo-Nazi element. Yeah, it is a problem. And now it's like, it's just like changing the narrative real time as we see this all unfold. And it's just so funny to see it. Um, the apology of like the, the political class just being like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like cluster bombs are horrific. And yeah, yeah, yeah. We knew that it was a war crime when Russia was using them. And like, but, you know, Biden has to, Robbie, um, because if he didn't, Putin would win. It's like, what kind of logic is that? That's a completely batshit crazy argument to make, actually. Yeah, it is very, it is really batshit. And it's also fascinating that there's all this debate that you can find if you go to some of these stories that were like, you know, they're trying to stress that these, these cluster bombs, like the new ones, the new and improved ones we make now, they only have a 2% <laughs> failure rate. Because that's one of the most horrific things about cluster bombs is that they get left all over the place, almost like landmines, and make certain places uninhabitable or untravelable because there's so many remaining unexploded parts, individual bomblets, they call them. And historically, they've had a 40% failure rate you know, up to a 40% failure rate. That's a lot of unexploded bomblets to just be having literally in a landscape. And that's, that's what part of what makes them so um, just awful. But again, 
you know, all when we when we really parse through all this stuff, it's like all types of weapons that are being used in this war are awful. I mean, landmines seem to be already legal. There's not like a ban on those. Uh, there's all and and you know things like white phosphorus. There is a ban on those. There is a ban on those, but the U.S. refuses to sign that too because of the DMZ. Okay, they think that mines need to be used to stave off North Korea. So again, another treaty that the U.S. refuses to sign. Yeah. So I mean, every single yes, cluster bombs are bad. Yes, they're horrific, but so is really every weapon of war. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the type of ammunition that's used that's shot from you know these helicopters is like 50 caliber rounds each round will like destroy an entire human body you know it's so you really have to think like i've all these things are horrific this is an escalation but it's also it's just every to to make this seem like it's way more horrific than all these other weapons i think would right not be like an accurate view of just the horrific nature no, of this a- whole situation it's a super good point that it's almost like normalizing all the other conventional yes. methods of weaponry. It is. And being like, oh no, this is too far. It's like, well, what about fucking everything else, dude? Mm-hmm. I mean, and and the 2% failure rate, it's like, okay, so let's let's break that down. Two bombs, and, and I don't even believe that, but two bombs out of every hundred. Okay, that's a lot, right? Because if you used a hundred million plus in Laos, how much do you think we're shipping over to Ukraine in an open war that we're backing this proxy battlefield? How many hundreds, how many thousands, how many tens of thousands duds will remain forever there littered across the landscape, maiming and killing kids. Um, And one quick fact to your point about how conventional weaponry is what we really should be talking about because war is horrific and it, and this is just another escalation on something that is already horrific and all weapons are terrible and all of the talk about du in iraq and how you know the toxic legacy of du and has a shelf life of like as long as the earth has been around and all of that we talked to a leading toxicologist for the movie about the toxic legacy of the u.s and iraq and she was like it's not du it's just bullets she was like that the real toxic legacy yeah du is found and and is horrific but it's kind of like what you're saying it's like we should be talking about just the toxic effects of just ammunition yeah conventional and regular munitions yeah conventional yeah. war war weapons are you know just as devastating um, right and i mean yeah there there are you know things like white phosphorus are obviously horrific and devastating on different levels, but but yeah, a, a, if a, a an innocent per- civilian or a child is murdered in war, does it really matter if a, a DU round was the thing that went through their skull and killed them, or if it was just like a regular bullet from an AK forty seven? It doesn't matter to the kid who died; he's dead. You know, so it's just that's I guess that's what I think about sometimes when I see yeah. these debates. It does kind of get like right. inside baseball, like there is like a weird neoliberal fixation on these weird like sort of lines in the sand. Like we don't cross, you know, these are lines we shouldn't cross. And it's like, well, we've already done all these horrific war crimes leading up to this line. Like you didn't, you weren't upset about that. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. No. And it also doesn't. Yeah. Like I'm not even talking about like real time killing. It's like I'm talking about like the pollution and, and carcinogens. Well, yeah. That too, carcinogens yeah. that are left and 
um, in the ammunition for decades and centuries after the fact. Um, yeah, there's still like dead zones environmentally from like World War One. Here's a um, here's a funny stat too. They the and this has been going around different like media reports that have been sort of being pro this idea is they claim that the Russian manufactured cluster munitions have a 40% failure rate. That's what the, <laughs> but then ours have a, only a failure rate of 2.5% oh, according to national security amazing. advisor, Jake Sullivan. <laughs> I just, it's like, come on, dude, the Russians beat like almost beat us in the space race and every, I mean, they did in every instance, except for going to the moon first, you think that they're, engineering weapons manufacturers can't get beyond this like can't lower down the failure rate to like ours like what it just doesn't make any sense <laughs> so the russians are evil but we're not yeah exactly <laughs> exactly because they're um, bomb and, it, and it's also funny to even parse that because it's like they're more evil because their bombs failure more like yes they'll be right. littered on the landscape undetonated but still like that's still saying like our bombs will just like kill more people upon like the initial <laughs> <laughs> impact too <laughs> that's the noble path robbie yeah kill more up front mm -hmm. um and it has to be said that the u.s and the eu the west in general has stimmied negotiations for peace in this war several times there were negotiations being made that a peace deal was almost reached that would have ceded territory with Russian ethnic Russian areas to Russia, which I know a lot of people don't want that to happen, but it would it would stop the war, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it would also be premised on Russia returning to its pre-invasion lines other than these Russian speaking regions and other than, you know, and, and if and if Ukraine declared neutrality basically and said, you know, we're not going to join NATO or whatever. So um, there were guarantees on both sides, but Boris Johnson and then I think Biden later, they just said, no, you can't do this. You cannot take this deal because we're going to otherwise we're never going to send you weapons again. And if you want these weapon shipments, you have to just call this off. It's just amazing. The fact that this war could have been over several times. It is really crazy, too, when you just look at how many people have died. It's, of course, impossible. And I don't believe any official reports because of the fog of war, because of just how hyper-partisan our and anti-Russian our media is, and then how cartoonishly stupid Russian media is to say, you know, that everyone's a crisis actor and Maripol. Like, you can't believe anything really from either side. So I don't, I don't take the death tolls or the casualty counts at face value, but even the amount of soldiers that Russia is admitting have died are a lot. Yeah. Like they've lost a lot of, it's like kind of insane actually it, compared to like the U S invasion of Iraq and Afghanistan, like, like very minimal casualties from U S soldiers compared to what we're seeing in Ukraine. That's why it's fascinating to me to watch a lot of these like more super diehard, like Putin fanboy accounts that are like on the, on like, you know, people who are on the left, mm -hmm. like just like getting really excited. Like it's almost like every other week they're like, Putin's about to fucking like clean up and like take, you know, take out the whole fucking <laughs> army. He's about to, he, you guys got fucked. Like, it, and then like the next week, it's like nothing happened. It's just weird that there's all that hope and hype that somehow Russia is going to, you know, win this war. It's like they're, it's being, it's a proxy war being fueled by the largest empire on earth. 
Like just, right. of course that's not happening. And yeah, there are, there are a lot of casualties on the Russian side. It is surprising. Um, and it's also surprising how many like infrastructure, like sabotage or like b basically like terrorist style attacks have happened in this war, seemingly all done through, you know, and it's always blamed on Ukrainian like security forces. Like there was a, the Crimea bridge um, was just uh, bombed. Um, and that's apparently the longest bridge in Europe. And this is like the third, I mean, after the Nord Stream pipeline bombing, which is still fucking crazy. Um, and then followed by the, I think that, that, that another bridge was bombed. I don't know what, it, what the name of that was, but then this is like the third incident. So this is the third like major infrastructure bombing that they've done. Um, it's just crazy to think that they're bombing like bridges that civilian, you know, largely civilians are yeah. traveling on. It's a, uh, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Um, but that's where we are. I mean, this is still happening and, uh, yeah, I mean, and it, again, it, it it does blow my mind that it's like I still cannot fully understand what is it about this war that all these Republicans claim to be so against, and it there still does not seem to be any kind of moral anti-imperialist, well, obviously no anti-imperialist, or any sort of like real reason why, except for that it's like a waste of our resources, and that again is not a strong. Even if you're right wing and you're you happen to be anti-war, let's say that there's people still like that out there, that's not a strong anti-war conviction. That's not gonna amount to much moving forward, other than like a temporary weird virtue signaling that it's like somehow these people are anti the proxy war in Ukraine. Um but it's not gonna amount to much. And so I I, I don't really understand still what where that's coming from or why. Because uh, they don't share our point of view on it, so it is it is sort of fascinating to see that continuing as well um, among certain Republicans who are like adamantly. Opposed I mean, it, to it, it almost it almost goes back to the arrow funneling everyone like lemmings. It's like I, on one hand, I think it's a certain kind of sympathy toward Putin and what Russia is, which is very right-wing, mm -hmm. very right-wing... Um, Traditionalist. Or... Totalitarian in the sense that, like, you cannot criticize the war. Like, you can't go on social media and say shit about the war, otherwise you get fucking arrested. Like, that that's the reality in Russia. You can't join an anti-war demonstration, otherwise... I mean, yeah, we're getting there, but Russia's definitely way past us in how repressive it is. Um, so I think that there is kind of this admiration from the right wing of how Putin does control society and, you know, acts as a figurehead and they wish that, you know, our president was the same, I guess. But also I think it is a lot of groupthink. I don't think that a lot of them can really sit down and have a conversation about why it's wrong. Yeah, I mean, they would just say the same talking points. They would just be like, why are we spending billions of dollars on a proxy war when we should be focused on China? Yeah, I mean that's Bobby. basically it. Is every single one of these Republicans who claims to be anti-war now, you know, it, it, it's, if they're talking about Ukraine, you ask them what they think about China, and they're basically pro-war on that. So it's it is a yeah. really bizarre situation where all these people who are you know these generic Republicans who are speaking the most loudly against the Ukraine war are all some of the most extreme China hawks. Um, 
And I mean, I, I don't know. So it could, I mean, that's a, that's where I would guess some of that push is coming from like a faction of the national security Mm -hmm. state or deep state or whatever that wants to pivot to China being our main adversary instead of Russia. Um, And, you know, hopefully, I mean, I don't know. It's, it is depressing to think about. Um, Yeah. um, The Nord Stream bombing was interesting too, because even though Seymour Hirsch, you know, is a very credible person there, Obviously, there was no attention paid to his big revelation that the U.S. was behind the bombing. And then it came out later that it was actually Ukrainian, this Ukrainian elite force that really blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. And it's like, at the end of the day, though, does it really matter? Because if it was this Ukrainian intelligence force that did it, obviously, that's like how a lot of shit works with the CIA anyway. It's like the CIA knew about it. Yeah. They they used a proxy force to do their dirty work. It's like, I mean, to me, it's like the same. Um, But for some reason, that was like a big thing. Like everyone was like, oh, yeah, yeah, Seymour Hersh is wrong because it was really this Ukrainian, the Ukrainians who did it. It's like, okay, well, to me, it doesn't fucking matter because we know everything that Ukraine's doing. There was just leaked Pentagon documents that came out this year that said that we were just we we're literally spying on all of Zelensky's phone calls. <laughs> um, oh yeah, and I just that, was that. It, yeah. the Wagner group, where everyone talks about the neo-Nazi group in Russia, the Russian neo-Nazis, the Wagners. Apparently, the U.S. is like super penetrated and infiltrated them. So, like, what is actually happening? Like, there's so much shit that we don't know that the U S is doing far beyond just supplying weapons over there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I think at this point I'm more, I'm more inclined to believe Seymour Hersh's original reporting on it. Cause one of the more interesting things about that, that later story that came out claiming Ukraine, Ukrainian special forces mm-hmm. did it was mm-hmm. that it seemed almost, it was so it paralleled so much of what Seymour Hersh reported that it almost seemed like, Somebody was there. Was somebody who was in charge was like afraid that the Seymour Hirsch one was going to like grow bigger. So they were like, let's just take a bunch of elements from this, what actually happened, and then like change a little bit of it around. And then that's the narrative. I mean, like, I, <laughs> I it really does seem like that. And I, I mean, I, I do think that the US did it. And if they wanted to put the blame on Ukraine, maybe that makes sense. But I mean, considering that if that's a possibility if the u.s actually did it like directly that is pretty yeah, fucking crazy. crazy i mean it is it's one crazy. of the biggest acts of like environmental terrorism whatever you want to call it like that the u.s has done in in recent last few decades it's pretty extreme um but robbie how would they keep it secret <laughs> how would they keep it secret if they did it someone's gonna talk <laughs> yeah someone's gonna talk <laughs> conspiracies don't work yeah it's a pretty it's a pretty dark world we're living in that we're we're still in the middle of this proxy war um the possibility of it escalating to a more deadly confrontation is definitely still in the mix these are two nuclear armed powers that are waging a proxy war against one another and i'm not in the headspace of thinking that world war three is right around the corner, but we're definitely closer to it than like any other time 
except for during the end of the Cold War. And that's something that is really happening. And I think it's, it's, sometimes it's hard for me to process that. I mean, this has been going on, like I've been trying to tell people, you know, if you're sort of just jumping on this now, or in the last four years, you, you become sort of anti the Ukraine war, you have to understand that this really all started back in 2014. This is when, when the spark was really set. Um, and this has been, you know, it's been, it's kind of been a long time coming. And it is really interesting that a lot of people who have very strong opinions against it now didn't say anything for years while this was escalating, while the Crimea thing was happening, while Euromaidan was happening. They really didn't have much to say. And it's it's kind of depressing to think that a lot of the opinions or strong vocal opinions we get about this war are from people who in my mind, are very uninformed or kind of opportunistic about how they've decided to jump into this debate. Um, and yeah, it's better late than never to do it, but at the same time, you do have to question the, you know, the principles of the the uh, the quality of someone's point of view or their work if they decided to wait until this actually, you know, turned into like the situation now to start speaking up about it. Um, and when I say the situation now, I mean like people who only started speaking up about it in the last three years, it's, it's, I mean, when I made a very heavy agenda, there were a lot of people who are very vociferous, uh, you know, opposers to this war now who were kind of taking like a neutral or completely not commenting on the situation. I mean, one of them is Glenn Greenwald, which is very interesting that he actually, hired a PR agency uh, to go through his Twitter feed um, a couple of years before the invasion of Ukraine to like purge almost all the tweets that he made espousing any kind of opinion about Russia. Like he was somehow afraid of still having those on his Twitter account, even though what he was saying was like pretty neutral and, and barely commented on the Ukraine situation at all. So it, it's odd. Uh, I mean, in general, I would be curious what a lot of these same people thought uh, back when this all started, back in like 2014, 2015. And yeah, it's weird to go back and just think about us being in the thick of it. Me at RT, you making a very heavy agenda during the foundation of this war. I mean, I know it goes back endlessly, but like it was all ramping up and it, and it is crazy kind of the goldfish brains that people have without realizing, you know, what was going on that long ago, nearly a decade ago. Um, I feel vindicated. I hope that you do too, because I was working at RT. I lived through this fucking insanity and it, it is very comical to see now Americans who have moved to Moscow now after the invasion to be the American faces of russia to justify all of the horrific shit that's going on in ukraine it's just like yeah super excited for part two i'm i'm super pumped on all the stuff we're going to talk about we got the russell brand interview with desantis we have the ufo hearings taking place in congress and we have the oppenheimer film you guys do not miss part two of this episode we're just getting started baby 
So tune in, drop out. Bye bye. Take care, everybody, and uh, consider becoming a subscriber to Media Roots Radio for as little as five dollars a month on patreoncom Media Roots Radio. Step into the swamp where danger takes its course Bet your luck and fortune on the alligator force Underneath I'm lean like the stakes rise high Gambling on alligator phrases do or die All eyes on the ring as the gators go head to head Jaws seven fears, hides kind of a trap Bets fly like bullets adrenaline's on a roll In this wild risky game, we're searching for the gold Gambling on alligator fights, living on the edge Tipping chances in the night on this risky pledge Rolling dice with fate, amid the pale moonlight And the bias with the game, we play some more delight Everybody say Q and on. Everybody say Q and on. Everybody say Q and on. Every call you say Q and on. And hit the fucking ball. Q and on isn't wrong. Patreon.com slash Media Roots Radio. Q and on.